What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back with another Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Caleb James. Caleb, what's going on, brother? Not too much, man. We've got a little bit of Chiefs news for you today, some things that have been happening around the league. It is a Monday night. You guys will more than likely be listening to this on Tuesday, but I hope everyone is well and safe in there. But, Justin, what do we got going on for the show today? Yeah, you know, we'll just uh, we'll be talking all training camp stuff today. We are we are approaching the season, the regular season, very fast, and it seems weird. I think, and I've been trying to think of this because it's almost like football is like here, but it's not here. And I think it's because there hasn't been any preseason games. Like the preseason games kind of make you feel like you're ramping up to something. Well, we haven't really gotten any of that yet, but then I see tweets today, and I'm looking at today, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the regular season is 17 days away. We're, we're kicking off regular season Kansas City Chiefs football against the Houston Texans to open the season as the defending Super Bowl champs in 17 days, and it gets me pretty fired up, to be honest. Yeah, well, first off, you said that the 17 days is coming up. Well, it's coming fast, and number 17 for the Kansas City Chiefs is fast, McCole Hardman. But I agree with what you were saying with right now. I feel like we're in a really odd football limbo where like everyone that cheers for football and loves football, we're like geared up in football mode. You know, last chance you came out last week, I'm starting to see like streaming stuff is starting to have more football movies out. So it's about time. But really all we have to go with is what we've seen in training camp. And this past weekend on Saturday, the Kansas City Chiefs, actually hosted they actually hosted a uh, training camp practice at Arrowhead Stadium for about 2000 season ticket holders it was a full padded practice i think some of us have seen the clips from that on twitter but i think that's kind of got the kingdom and a lot of people really fired up and ready to go seeing that they are out there in full pads and knowing just how close the season is to getting ready to be underway yeah, absolutely, and for the people that weren't able to go and watch it, um, they did announce today on their site that you will be able to actually watch practice Saturday. Um, so they've been doing the you know the training camp live sessions or whatever with with Mitch Holthus and Mac uh, Matt McMullen, but I guess they're actually going to be showing practice where you're going to be able to watch it. So I'm definitely going to be tuning into that. I, I'm wanting to see some live football. They send you all these clips, but they're so careful about what they show. They zoom right in on the players, so you can't really tell who's in, who's not, what they're running, what's going on. So I'll be excited to see some of that. And kind of one of the reports and one of the guys that I would like to be seeing what's going on because we're hearing all these reports about him is Nick Kaiser. So we've kind of um, wondered what's going on with that tight end two spot um, for, for pretty much all offseason. They signed Ricky Seals-Jones, but we know he's just kind of a pass-catching pass guy. And Blake Bell is actually, he you don't see it in the stats, but he's a pretty big loss because he was the guy, he was that move tight end, that H-back type guy. He was the blocking guy. And the Chiefs ran 12 personnel as much as any team in the NFL last year. So, you know, it's something that I wondered, are they going to try to go more um, 11 personnel where they just have, you know, one tight end, one running back, or are they going to try to sign somebody or whatever? But I guess what from everybody's saying is Kaiser and Mahomes kind of have a little rapport going, and I, maybe he's going to be the guy that kind of steps in to be that tight end too. Well, we've seen Nick Kaiser 
a couple of times in last year's preseason get on the field in that game four uh, against the Green Bay Packers in the preseason last year. I believe he had about six or seven catches for a good chunk of change. You know, nothing crazy like we expect to see from Travis Kelsey. It was a lot of like RPO completion, stuff like that. A lot of just short hitches, but it was nice to see him out there. And then we, he gets hurt last year. So they put him on the injured, injured reserve for all the season. And now he's in training camp and, you know, we really didn't have him on the radar when we first started talking about tight end two. I think we were really set on Dion Yelder being Travis Kelsey's main backup and keeping Ricky seals Jones around is more of like a guy that they could put in the slot around the goal line to try to get mismatches. Well, uh, Seals-Jones was carted off the field the other day. That's not good. It sounds like he's probably going to miss the entire season, if not an extended period of time, if he had to be carted off the field. And to be honest, Dion Yelder has been a guy who I think some of, the, some of us had maybe thought we were going to keep our eye on this this uh, training camp because we really wanted to see what he could do as a T too because we didn't get to see it much last year because he was buried behind Blake Bell. I think some of the only time we saw Dion Yelder was in the uh, playoff game when Kelsey had the little giddy up in his knee and they had to run Bell some tight end one reps and they had to run Yelder some more of those receiving plays in the divisional round. But we haven't really seen him or heard his name. I don't think I've heard any reports out of him making catches. Now, that being said, he could be making fantastic blocks all camp long. And, of course, the media is not going to want to cover that. They're going to want to cover Nick Kaiser catching passes and having a little chemistry with the MVP. But it's one of those things where I don't think we're really going to know whose job it's going to be until we see like actually what's going on maybe this Saturday with them showing some actual live game reps. And we're also going to have to really take a good look at the, uh, and we're going to have to be ready for when that whole 53 man is ready to go. Yeah. And Kaiser's an interesting prospect. He's only been in the league for one year. And like you mentioned, he, he kind of flashed there for a little bit last year before going on injury reserve. Um, you know, and he's a bigger dude. He's 6'4", 251 out of Grand Valley State. So he's definitely somebody I'm, I'm going to keep my eye on because he, of last year, kind of what we saw early on and being so young and having the time. And maybe, you know, it's not good that he was hurt, but he could take that time to really learn Andy Reid's offense for whoever every pretty much everybody that's been involved in an Andy Reid offense other than maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire has said it's a very in-depth playbook but CEH says he picked it up no problem so they got that that's always a positive I guess for the first round pick um but as far as pass catchers go too one of the things that has kind of gotten a lot of steam on Twitter lately is that sixth wide receiver spot um, I know we've had some conversations before and, and on Twitter and with some other guys about will the Chiefs keep six wide receivers and who could that be because they've got some interesting guys there. Um, mainly where everybody's kind of talking about is the battle between Jody Fortson and between Garrett Dieter. And then they went out and they signed Marcus Kemp. Um, who, if you remember last year, he flashed all preseason and did some nice stuff on special teams. So 
that's really where I think that six wide receiver spot really has to make a splash to be able to make the roster is on special teams. Um, Dieter has a history of being able to do that. He's been a gunner on, on punt and, and stuff like that. So I think, you know, he's kind of got the upper hand in that sense. Um, you know, whereas Fortson might have a little bit more of the skill set and the physical tools. Um, they talked again today um, about his, another crazy catch that he had where he kind of bodied the defender, and he's so big. And I know it's something that we've touched on before, but it's definitely a battle that's been getting quite a lot of attention in Chiefs camp. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. It's something that is worth paying attention to. Maybe not for some teams. They don't care about the six-wide receiver spot, but we like to throw the ball. Andy Reid likes to throw the ball. So, obviously, it's going to make some sort of an impact. And, you know, you look at Jody Fortson. He's like the young guy there with all the – he's got – he let's be let's get it out of the front. He has the highest, highest ceiling of all three of those players just due to some of those physical gifts and stuff. But then you go down and look at the stretch. Well, there's a guy like Garrick Dieter who's been there. He's been through the fire with all those guys. We've seen him play a lot of good special teams reps. And, you know, he hasn't really made an impact as far as being a receiving wide receiver, which some would say is impossible. Well, not without special teams because he's made an impact there. Didn't make it quite as much this past season, was dealing with the back injury. And then I think the Chiefs were really trying to carry – a deeper roster in other places into the playoffs just because they keep the chemistry together in some places. But then we look at a guy like Marcus Kemp, who's been around on the team since 2017. He's We've seen him up and down from like active roster to practice squad somewhat on a week-to-week basis up until his uh, ACL injury last training camp, which unfortunately sidelined him. I don't know if people realize this. He's a big guy, too. Uh, he's six foot four, goes about two ten, but something you see guys that big and you don't expect them to have this explosion. And I remember from the 2018 preseason when they were playing the Bears, he caught he scored like a 56 yard touchdown. When you see him, when he catches the ball, it's going to be underneath, but he has the ability to plant and he becomes a very elusive guy to catch after that. Obviously, he's had Andy Reid's eye. He's managed to make the team two consecutive years now. He's on his third straight camp with the Chiefs. He could be a guy to watch also, but at the end of the day, I think due to the expanded practice squad type situation we're going to see, I think we could see two guys, or I think we could see all three of them end up making the roster, each for their own particular specialty. Yeah, then they all, like you said, they're all kind of bigger guys, which the main receivers for the Chiefs, they're not. So, you know, you think of McColl and Tyreek and Sammy and uh, D-Rob, those guys aren't like the, the big-bodied receivers. Even Dieter, he's 6'3", you know. So those guys all have that size that really the rest of the receiving core doesn't. So that'll definitely be one to uh, to keep your eye on throughout camp. And maybe this Saturday when they're showing practice, we'll get a little bit of a clearer picture on kind of what's going on there for that extra wide receiver spot. Um, and then the other thing is they, the chiefs, they just added some more bodies to, to create a little bit more competition at some other positions. Um, when they signed center Dan Kilgore, 
um, who was previously with the Miami Dolphins. He's an NFL guy for nine years now, and he's got some some good starts under his belt. Really, he's got a ton of a ton of experience, ton of game experience. And then the other one is Adrian uh, Colbert. Colbert, I want to say it. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But uh, he was a safety. He was also previously with the Dolphins. Um, another guy who has some starting experience and actually played pretty well for the Dolphins. And I don't think that um, you can have enough veteran experience in the secondary or along the offensive line. I mean, there are two positions that really you really need to have that depth because you really just you don't know you don't know what can happen there. The offensive line. Linemen are always getting banged up, especially in training camp. We've already seen Eric Fisher have to sit because of concussion protocol. Um, and you and you want to be able to have those guys that you can plug and play, especially guys with game experience. So I think he'll add some interesting depth, and it really makes me wonder kind of where they kind of view Allegretti, who's a guy that's been with the Chiefs now for a couple years and is he doing enough to kind of be that backup along the interior, whether it's guard or whether it's center, or is it Austin Ryder that's not kind of performing to where they want him to be along the interior? Or did they just say, hey, Kilgore's too be, too good to be a free agent right now. Let's bring him into camp and have an extra body. So that, that's an interesting one for me to see too because we've had pretty in-depth conversations about the interior offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs and how, they're not a group that's particularly overwhelming as far as as skill is concerned at this point. Um, but they're always they're a group that they get the job done well enough, um, and they did did it last night last year where they got the job done well enough. So um, and the other thing along the interior right now is Kalechi Assembly, who they just brought in as a free agent, hurt his shoulder that he just was coming off an injury from. So. The interior offensive line is definitely something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. And I know you did some film review on Kilgore and put those clips up on Twitter a little bit. Yeah, so we're looking at Kilgore. He's been in the league about nine years. He's played in 72 games, I believe, and I think he's started something like 46. So he's been like he's been a guy off the bench for most of his career. Um, he started the past two seasons – as the starting guy for the Miami Dolphins, which is where he was just released from, he's an undersized guy, much like Austin Ryder. He's is about they, except for they have Kilgore listed at 290. So he's probably a little bit shorter and a little bit lighter than the billing, and you can kind of see it on his film. You know, he doesn't really do that great against like larger, like bigger, overpowering type guys where he really makes his bread and butter, I think, is one with his football smarts. You could tell he's, he's been around for a while. He knows how to position his body and pass protection to be able to help the guards, his both of his guards out, be able to call the entire offensive line's calls in the course of a game, be able to ID backers, be able to ID blitzes. You can see him doing all that stuff. That stuff's great. Um, he's also being a smaller guy, he's very quick and he's very agile when he's in space. There's times when he snaps and then pulls, which is one of the hardest things for a center to be able to master in all of football. It is an incredibly high level move. So don't take that for granted when you watch a center snap and then pull on Sunday. Very difficult. 
So he's be able to snap and pull. And also in the screen game, he takes really, really good angles on screen passes. And him being quicker, he's usually able to meet the defensive backs where he needs to be to be able to let the skill player make their cut. But as far as things he struggles with, and this is why, even though I think that those are really attractive traits to Andy Reid and Brett Veach to think, yeah, this guy is too good to just be not out here and not on our roster right now. He has these struggles with the same things that Austin Ryder does. Austin Ryder, we see struggles sometimes and run blocking to really get good movement on those bigger interior noses. Well, it's more the same for Kilgore, just kind of being not the biggest guys in there. They're not going to be the real strong guys off the point of attack. Uh, Kilgore does fine. Him and Ryder, I'd say, in the run game are fairly even, except for Kilgore is probably a little more mobile than Ryder is, but I think that Ryder is able to make that all up because Ryder is actually a pretty good pass-protecting center. Doesn't always get the credit he deserves on that, but it's something he's not bad at. And I don't think Kilgore's here to push for the starting spot. I think this late in the game, to bring in a guy off the street, even though he might have the smarts of Kilgore to be able to go in there, I don't think it would be the smartest decision. And that kind of comes down to, well, uh, Nick Allegretti, he uh, maybe they're trying to bring in a guy with a lot of experience to really, really challenge him to keep getting better as a player. Maybe they want to see what Allegretti can do at guard. That could also be a possibility that maybe they want to see what he can do in there at guard. Um, maybe Daryl Williams isn't performing at the bottom of half of their roster and they're looking for another guy that they're going to be able to keep around. You know, I think it's one of those things where there'll be a chance Kilgore makes the roster and there'll be a chance he doesn't make the roster. It's going to be one of those things right up to final cut day, but hopefully having an experienced vet like him in camp this late in the game is able to keep the competition up so they can push the best out of everybody in that situation. Cause you know, they might not know how much beating Osimile is going to be able to take. So maybe they're going to just have guys ready to go on the interior at a moment's notice. If need be, that could be a possibility. Uh, Justin, I don't know if you've watched a ton on uh, Mr. Colbert or Colbert, whichever you, whichever way you prefer. I don't know if you've watched much on him yet, but I looked at some of his stuff this morning. I think he's a big-time tackler, and I think he could actually be a guy that carves his way out on our, his roster because I kind of like the way he plays. Yeah, he's super interesting to me because I dug a dug a little bit into him um, and kind of his background and see kind of where he came from, played college, got all that. So he was a seventh-round pick of the 49ers. Um, he's 6'2", 205 pounds. He played at Texas University, played free safety there, and then was a transfer to the University of Miami where he actually played cornerback um, for them. And then when he was drafted by the 49ers, John Lynch, I actually just saw a quote from him that said that he actually, they were going to try him at corner before they tried him at safety. So that, that I find super interesting with his versatility that maybe they do want to give him a little bit of a look at corner um, with the situation of Bashad Breeland has, you know, with his four game suspension, he's a bigger guy, obviously playing, you know, at six two two oh five. So, I mean, most likely he's going to be there to play, play safety and add depth to that secondary, which the safeties are obviously 
obviously already very um, loaded, I would say, at that position with a lot of skilled guys. But you think about how many different sets that they had last year where there was multiple safeties. And even when they had a guy like Kendall Fuller, who that's kind of where I could see this uh, Adrian Colbert, Colbert, Colbert play um, in that role. Where if you think, if you remember, like Fuller, he played a lot of high safety, but he also could come down and he could play man um, in third and long situations. So that versatility is something that I think that in Spag's defense is going to fit very seamlessly. It's going to be a pretty good fit. And, and like I said, especially with Breland being out, potentially just adding somebody uh, maybe along the interior to play slot or play the big slot or play safety. And then you can keep the guys like Rashad Fenton on the outside to play a corner when Breland's gone and bring along the Jarius Sneed and these guys that, you know, where you need a corner opposite Javarius Ward. So I think that I, I like the pickup. It seems like a, a classic Brett Veach move where a guy that has experience playing multiple positions, you sign him for a cheap deal, you bring him in, see what see what he can do, and maybe he finds a way to carve out a little bit of role in this Spags defense. Yeah, and you know, I was watching his film this morning, actually, in anticipation for getting ready to do this show tonight. When I watched him on film, he is a quick trigger, man. Like, when he runs out there, like, he just, like, pulls the trigger right away. As soon as he sees something, he goes. He's got really good closing speed from that high safety spot, which I love to see just because that with something we saw Kendall Fuller do a lot last year, and you like that instinctual guy to be out there and just make a fast decision and go with it. And, you know, when I see him down in the box, you can see why Spags likes him. There's a clip I put on Twitter today. It's uh, Dolphins versus Giants, so not a real barn burner. So he's in there, and he's covering down kind of in the slot over the tight end, and they run a little play-action pass, and Daniel Jones just throws it in the flat to the tight end on a little check down. Colbert comes flying in and basically lifts the dude up off the ground and slams him, and it was a monster tackle. Very beautiful, but every time I see him, he runs down into the box fearlessly. He doesn't have a ton of missed tackles under his belt from what I've seen from watching the tape on him. So he's a physical guy who likes to tackle. But then again, that speed and that closing ability, that's got to be, and especially with his experience at corner in the past, that's got to be real intent. That's got to be real interesting for a guy like Spags. You know, he's really got to be thinking right now about all the ways that he could maybe try to get this guy on the field. And to be honest with you, Alex Brown is out for the season now. He's maybe a guy who's on the radar. You know, maybe Rashad Fenton's not really working out the way they wanted him to. Well, maybe they just found their guy off the street. And once again, if Brett Veach can sign someone that was on the street 17 days before a game, and if they're in game one of the season, I think that goes just to show how special the front offices and just how special the coaching staff is the Chiefs have right now. Yeah, for sure. And the, yeah, like I was looking, trying to see like if he had any combine numbers and I couldn't find the combine, combine numbers, but his pro day numbers were great. You talk about that speed and he is, he's a four, four guy. So the, the film matches the, the stats, you know, as far as the numbers are concerned. So 
it'll be interesting to kind of see where he fits in. And you know how always, if you can, especially if you can find a role on special teams, he's he'll he'll find a way to make this roster. I would be sure of that. So, um, any other things that you could think about for camp that you wanted to touch right now? Oh well, uh, back to the Osimile thing. We just kind of touched on it, but one of the things I noticed is. A, the injuries are piling up. I think it's probably more precautionary, soft tissue stuff, getting people ready to go. But uh, the one, that, the only one that's really has me kind of concerned is the Osimile. Is Osimile having to not practice because of his shoulder? Could it be that they just wanted to hold him out for a couple of days because it's sore? That I think that's absolutely what's more than likely the case. Could it be something else that we don't know about? Yes, also, because Osimile was signed very late in the period, and he also has what cost him all of last season was his shoulder and what he went through that entire big shenanigan with the Jets was. So that was really the only that was really one of the only things I could think about that we were talking about of concern before we got recording or and everything. Yeah, and it's, that's that's definitely worrisome because of the situation that their guard and their interior offensive line is in right now. He's somebody that they were, were going to be relying on to, to kind of step and be the starter. And from all the reporters that have been there, it's been him at left guard, Ryder at center, and then Wiley back at right guard So um, with the first group. So hopefully he's they're just holding him out as a precaution. He just you know, tweak that that previous injury a little bit, and they want to make sure he's healthy coming up here for for the Texans. Um, which, you know, and the other thing kind of to go along with that is just having Andrew Wiley back at right guard, which is, if you remember, when we kind of first saw Wiley, that's where he was. He was replacing an injured uh, LDT at that point, and he actually performed better. Like, he performed really well at right guard, and then when he got the starting left guard job, is when he kind of dropped off a little bit and didn't have the quite same production that we saw when he was at right guard. So maybe the switch back to right guard is going to really be helpful for for, uh, Wiley in that situation. You know, I definitely do think that it's possible. You know, something I just thought of, because I do think that they're going to give Wiley the shot. He's gotten the shot. He got the shot last year. He got real banged up, and I think getting hurt affected his play. Something else we didn't think of, if their injuries mount up on the offensive line, there could be the distinct possibility that we might see a guy like Austin Ryder have to go into a game at a guard position or a guy like Nick Allegretti. Now, preferably, they get their starting five, like you said, Fisher, uh, Simile, Ryder, Wiley, and Schwartz. Preferably that's it, and if anybody has to come in off the bench for any of the positions, hopefully it's Mike Rimmers right now. But, you know, looking down the line, you know, there's going to be a chance for some more guys to step up, and I think that's really what we're seeing with uh, maybe bringing in Kilgores, preparing guys like Allegretti, or guys like even Ryder, maybe they have in the middle of a game to have to have Ryder move to guard because you know Andy Andy Reid he wants the best five out there. So I think that once we start getting like a big amount of cuts, we're gonna have a real clear picture of what's going on 
But until then, I think we're just kind of waiting and seeing how everything goes down the line. And I think we're going to try to be positive with this. You know, has, has anybody heard anything out of the Houston Texans? I haven't seen heard a word out of them, a lick out of them. I haven't seen one video out of them all camp. What do you think those guys are up to right now? Yeah, I actually, it's funny you say that because I did just see something uh, um, from them today, which is one clip of their offense lining up, and they had David Johnson lined up in the left slot and Deshaun Watson under center. They motioned David Johnson over to almost like a wing situation on the right side of the line, so across the formation, and they ran like a little outside zone to the left with David Johnson going into the flat. So like an RPO type look, but I thought that was pretty interesting that they, they were kind of doing that where you could see that they were going to move him around obviously with David Johnson and his, his skills as a receiver and his background as a receiver. Um, it seems like they're going to try to utilize that and get, get multiple running backs in the game at the same time. And then the other quote that I actually saw was from Bill O'Brien today. And he was basically just talking about how he thinks Will Fuller is a number one wide receiver in the NFL and how he can run the whole route tree and, and everything like that. So, you know, the Texans are who they are. They're, they're a solid team every year. They play in a terrible division that never really has anybody that's, like, great over the past few years. They've had good teams. They haven't had any great teams. They all kind of just battle each other you know the titans last year wanted a great run but i don't think there's anybody in that afc south that really strikes fury into you especially as long as bill o'brien's the head coach of the texans they they don't scare me they have deshaun watson who's a great quarterback but i don't i don't think bill o'brien puts them in the best situation and you kind of saw that this offseason with him trading deandre hopkins for david johnson that we were just talking about there so um, I think they'll be good. I think they'll be good, but I, I just I don't. It's too bad that this whole COVID crap is going on because I would have liked to see Arrowhead, you know, in that home that home opener with full capacity, you know, <laughs> starting to run it back tour and them, you know, the Texans who they obviously played in the playoffs that came back. I would have liked to see that game with a full capacity crowd at Arrowhead. You know, it definitely would be nice. I probably wouldn't be able to afford tickets to that, but. It would still be nice to be watching on TV from afar and being able to just see the sheer amount of people that I think are going to, that would be crowded in there. If we can just imagine for a minute, I mean, it would be an absolute capacity crowd. You know, Arrowhead would be filled up by, by 4 a.m. if they let him get out there that early, you know. It'd probably be one of the best tailgates of all time. Uh, and I've already checked the weather forecast. It's good weather expected in KC next week or in two weeks from now, whatever it is. It's going to be about like 75 degrees after we get out of this little heat spell we're in right now. So for all intents and purposes, it'd be the perfect football game to go to from a weather and from a game standpoint. And because Bill O'Brien does things like trade his number one receiver and possibly the best receiver in the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins, he now has to – convince himself that Will Fuller, a very good number two receiver, can do all the things that Hopkins did. So it'll be fun. Um, If if the Texans' defense hasn't gotten any better, then I think they're just going to have to run all those RPOs with David Johnson that they can get going because it's going to be a long day for those guys. 
Yeah, I, I, I would expect the Chiefs. I think they're like 10-point favorites right now, and that, that sounds right about right to me. So, um, all right, last thing before we get out of here, I'm sure you're going to be tuning in to that, that live practice on Saturday. Give me one thing that you're really looking forward to seeing at practice. One thing that I'm going to be looking forward to seeing, I want to see what Willie Gay Jr. is up to in the defense. I really want to see how they're aligning him because uh, they gave us a little teaser clip yesterday, and I literally said out the out loud, oh, man, he is faster than crap, and this is just going through drills, and then we're seeing like these little teases of just what kind of athletic ability he has and how much power he has. So it's he's starting to excite me a little bit in there. Uh, what are you looking forward to seeing most all most all on Saturday? Yeah, um, it's going to sound boring, the boring answer, but it's Pat Mahomes. I just I can't get enough of the dude. He they showed the throw that he made the other day in practice where he spun out to his left and then hurled it for a touchdown to Demarcus Robinson right before the pylon in the left, you know, front corner of the end zone. And I, I could not get over the, like, I couldn't, my jaw was on the floor. I could not believe it. And like I said to like everybody, when I tweeted it out, it's like, look at all of his teammates. His teammates are just walking around a whole hum. Like, eh, this happens every single day in practice. We're used to it now. And I just, I can't get over, like, some of the stuff he does. So I'm just looking forward to seeing him back out there chucking the ball around as a former quarterback and an offensive guy and a guy who studied quarterbacks for a long time. It's, uh, he is pretty much the dream come true, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. But um, definitely looking forward to him. So, all right, Caleb, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and what you're working on? All right, y'all, you can find me on Twitter, at CJ Scoobs. Recently got posted sometime uh, this weekend was my uh, Daniel Kilgore film review. I actually think it was posted sometime last night. I don't. So, yeah, on the weekend, my bad. But, uh, yeah, I posted the Daniel Kilgore film review, and uh, it's got – it's just got, like, everything I talked about in here tonight, you know, what he does – you can find that on the website. I post, I'm going to post some more clips this week, maybe a little bit of Mike Dana action because we didn't talk about him much. I have a feeling we're going to know a lot more about his role very soon. But I'm going to might post a few more clips from him when he was playing at Michigan. I'm going to have the GMKC coming out. I think I'm going to do a roster prediction unless something urgent were to come up. So I don't know quite what that will be over yet, but – uh. Yeah, just hit me up, follow Chiefs Take, follow us on Twitter. Justin, what do you have to sell to the audience this evening? Yeah, you can uh, always find me on Twitter, jdiz1617. Um, we also have the corner underscore AL, so make sure you're following both of those. I got my Power Rankings Digest coming out on Wednesday, as it does every single week. Be sure to be on the lookout for that, and then I might have another article in the weeks uh in the works later the week so you'll have to check that out as well but make sure you're going over to arrowhead live you can find all of our work over there all of the articles all of the podcasts and the you're really going to want to be tuning into the coaches corner here as the season is starting to ramp up because you're going to get full breakdowns of games 
um, on both sides, you know, of the Chiefs and the opponents and stuff you can look for. And uh, you can hear from us first and when you're sitting around with your buddies and you can tell them about what play they're about to run because that's what, you know, the Texans do on third and ten. You can tell everybody this is where you found it from and, and that's why you're getting all that knowledge. But we appreciate everybody being here and we'll be talking to you very soon in a week from now. But we love you, Chiefs Kingdom. We'll talk to you soon.